Welcome to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. We're celebrating men's health in June and focusing on urology in this episode. Our guest is Texas Tech Physicians urologist Pranav Sharma. Dr. Sharma goes over some common urology problems that affect men, what symptoms men shouldn't ignore, what to expect from a screening, whether or not supplements help with issues, and what parents and young children should look out for because even kiddos can develop kidney stones. Dr. Sharma, welcome to our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do here at the Health Sciences Center? Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. I'm honored to talk about men's health today. So my name is Pranav Sharma. I am a urologist, associate professor of urology at the Health Sciences Center. And actually, my fellowship training and actually area of expertise and focus is actually more on urologic oncology, so cancer of the genital urinary tract. But that being said, I do deal a lot with other general men's health issues, ranging from prostate issues to erectile dysfunction to low testosterone. So I do, even though my area of expertise is in cancer of the genital urinary tract, I do see a fair amount of men's health issues as well, general men's health issues as well as a urologist here at the Health Sciences Center. Well, again, welcome to our podcast. And thank you for coming on to talk about urology. What are some common urology problems that affect men? Well, as I kind of alluded to, there are many, many different things that we see in the urology clinic that are very, very common, especially as men get older. One of the most common things that older men deal with, typically above 65, is prostate issues, which can affect urinary quality of life. So these are typical urinary symptoms that men experience as they get older, such as urinary frequency, urgency, a lot of dribbling before or after the urinary stream, feelings of having to go to the bathroom more often than they should, and weak stream, as well as hesitancy with urination. Other things that we commonly deal with, of course, as men get older, we deal with sexual dysfunction, so that it could include erectile dysfunction, as well as abnormal curvature of the erection. Other things that we deal with also in the realm of sexual dysfunction is low libido, feelings of fatigue, lack of energy, which may result from lack of testosterone production. In addition, we also deal with prostate cancer screening and just general prostate health in general, as well as general testicular health. And of course, in younger men, kidney stones. What are some symptoms that men of any age shouldn't ignore? Well, I think there used to be, at least in prior generations, a a stigma regarding sexual dysfunction. The younger generations, though, I think are more open about it and are seeking care more readily and more actively, especially when it comes to not only just erectile dysfunction, but maybe ejaculatory dysfunction, problems with intercourse itself, whether that's painful intercourse, whether that's infertility, 
or whether that's abnormal erection that's really impacting their sexual experience. So I think those kind of things you should, and as I said, this is gradually getting better, I think men should seek care and be open about those things. It's nothing to be ashamed of, and it's not something that you just have to live with. I think that more often than not, 95% of the time, it there is something that we can do to help you rather than just saying, well, I guess I'm just old and this just happens. I think that men should be more proactive and seek out care from a urologist or even their primary care doctor, specifically when it really comes to their sexual health. Other things that men should look for, of course, Blood in the urine is a major concern. Visible blood in the urine, that could signify a kidney stone or even something more concerning. And, and so that's another symptom that men should seek care for. Other things to look out for is any sort of testicular mass or lump or bump on the testicle or a painful testicle that's abnormally enlarged or that has a lot of swelling. These are all things that we deal with as urologists very frequently and can be addressed most of the time. And then one final thing that men should look out for is any sort of change in their urinary stream, whether that means weakening of their urinary stream, more frequency, feelings, or feeling that incomplete bladder emptying, any significant change that really affects their quality of life in their urinary stream, I think is something that, again, can be addressed and should not just be assumed to be a side effect of aging and something that you just have to deal with. As I said, more often than not, most of these problems can be addressed with a urologist and, and can be treated to improve your quality of life. What kind of cancer screenings does the urologist do, and what can patients expect during a male urology exam? So the most common cancer screening we do is prostate cancer screening, and that's typically started at the age of 55 and goes up to the age of 69 in high-risk individuals. So those are individuals with a lot of family history of prostate cancer and sometimes African-Americans because they tend to get prostate cancer at a younger age and more aggressively. We start at age 45. And so that's a very common screening that we do as urologists and involves two different aspects. Uh, the first is a prostate exam. Now, a prostate exam is a rectal exam. And so typically, we ask patients to drop their drawers and their, and their pants or, and as well as their underwear and, you know, bend over. And we gently, with lubrication, place our, typically our index finger in the rectum. And we can feel the posterior surface of the prostate through the rectal wall. We also are feeling for any sort of rectal masses, hemorrhoids and anything within the rectum, but of course our main focus is that prostate. Now, there are some limitations of the prostate exam. We can only feel one side of the prostate, which is that posterior wall that sits right next to the rectum. So we typically supplement the prostate exam with a blood test called prostate-specific antigen, or PSA. A normal PSA range is typically anywhere from zero to four, and so elevated PSAs above that level, or high PSAs above that level, typically warrant further investigation, testing, and further recommendations. The other exam that we typically do is testicular exams, feeling for any masses or abnormal masses on the testicle. So that is something that patients can expect during a male urology exam, in addition to the prostate exam. 
We also like to examine the penile shaft itself and the gland and the head of the penis, especially in men who are uncircumcised and are dealing with a lot of infections of the foreskin. The medical term for that is called balanitis. So that is also part of our uh, normal male urology exam, in addition to evaluating the scrotum. And we also check for hernias in the groins, and as well as just a general exam of the genitourinary skin. So those are all typical parts that patients can expect during a male urology exam. What self-checks can you recommend that men do between screenings at the clinic? So one of the easiest self-checks that men can do, and I definitely recommend this in younger men, usually between age 20 and 40, is a testicular self-exam once a month. And it can be done very easily, you know, even in the shower, basically just feeling your testicles for any masses, abnormal lumps, bumps, painful lesions, and very easy, easy to do very quickly within 10 to 15 seconds. So I think that's probably one of the easiest self-checks that men can do. Of course, examine, you know, in, patient, in men that are uncircumcised, making sure the foreskin easily pulls back, making sure there's no significant troubles pulling back the foreskin or pain associated with that. And I think, and just in general, evaluating their urinary symptoms and making sure that they don't feel that their urination is worsening or affecting their quality of life. Is there anything that men can do to prevent developing issues? For example, there are a lot of supplemental, or a lot of commercials for supplements on TV and in the radio and on the internet. Does any of that stuff help? So one of the biggest supplements is definitely in the prostate space. There's uh, Sal Palmetto, there's Super Beta Prostate. It seems like there's a lot of different supplements for the prostate space. One of the other areas that we see a lot of supplements for is for testosterone supplementation, specifically to testosterone boosters as, as they market them. The big issue with a lot of these supplements is they have not been tested scientifically with peer-reviewed studies and, a, and in a randomized controlled trial in a scientific fashion. Now, most of these supplements are not going to be harmful. Worst case scenario, you may be out 50 bucks because it didn't work for, you know, on a bottle of 30, you know, supplements. None of them would really harm you in any way. There are some that really do help patients. The problem is a lot of it is trial and error, and they really haven't been compared head-to-head against each other or against prescription medications. So it's really hard to know because it's less regulated than, than FDA-approved medications prescribed by a doctor, it's really hard to know how effective they are, which ones are better than others, and how do they compare to prescriptions a medical doctor would give you, because there's always new ones coming in and out, and there's no limited things they can actually put in them. So, for example, testosterone boosters actually don't have any actual testosterone in them. They're typically herbal supplements meant to mimic boosting your testosterone, but they actually don't have, they can't actually have testosterone in them. Similar to prostate supplements, they're typically herbal supplements that try to shrink the prostate, but we don't actually have any science that these herbal supplements actually do shrink the prostate. So a lot of it 
is trial and error. However, I will say some of the most effective things, at least over the counter that I've seen herbally for, for prostate is definitely saw palmetto. I mean, there's some good data that that helps with prostate enlargement, prostate enlargement issues. And the other thing that I would say, especially when it comes to sexual function, is generally living a, a healthy lifestyle. The same things that cause cardiovascular disease and cause blockages in the arteries of the heart can also cause blockages in the arteries of the penis as well. And so that means sticking with a healthy diet, exercising regularly, controlling your blood sugars and your blood pressure, and avoiding having uncontrolled high blood pressure or blood sugars. Because over the long term, similar to how they can affect vessels in other parts of your body, they can affect the blood vessels in the penis as well. And that can really impact sexual function. So, you know, exercising regularly, a healthy lifestyle, maintaining your weight or not having significant weight gain, controlling your blood pressure, controlling your blood sugars are the best ways to keep your erectile tissue in tip-top shape. And another major factor for sexual dysfunction is smoking. So avoiding tobacco products or at least trying to minimize them is another way to prevent potential sexual dysfunction down the road. What about alcohol? So alcohol in small amounts is typically not a, a major contributor to any long-term urological issues. Now, of course, in large amounts, it can affect your urinary quality of life and actually cause problems with bladder contractility and emptying of the bladder. But we're talking about large amounts of alcohol over an extended period of time. But generally in social amounts, you know, once a week on the weekends in small amounts, usually doesn't have any long-term impact. Is one ever too young to see a urologist? Uh, no, no. And I think, of course, for younger men, they're not dealing with the prostate issues as much, mainly on the uh, sexual health side. But it's never too young to see a urologist and even getting a baseline testosterone level. That way, if there ever becomes any problem with sexual health in the future, you at least have a baseline level of where you're testosterone levels are at, because you would be very surprised how men of the same age have vastly different testosterone levels, because there's multiple different factors that can actually affect your testosterone levels. And that includes time of day that you have it drawn, that includes your weight, it includes any medications that you're on, it, in, it also includes how active and physically active you are. So you would be surprised how different men are and how different their testosterone levels are, even though they're in the same age group, and how it can, depending on the level, affect their sexual experience. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I would say that, especially when it comes to sexual health, there's always help that you can seek out. You should never just assume anything. It just comes with age and, and that... Uh, you can enjoy, have a good quality of life with your partner. And as I said, most conditions can be addressed. 95% of conditions can be addressed by a urologist to significantly improve your quality of life. The other thing I would say is make sure you talk to your doctor about regular prostate checks and prostate cancer screening and watch for those warning symptoms that we mentioned earlier and seek care if those things ever become an issue. 
one of the things that we are seeing more commonly now, especially with you know the typical American diet that we see is kidney stones. It's becoming more and more common, especially in younger kids to see kidney stones. So the best way to prevent kidney stones is, is by trying to stick with as healthy a diet as possible. Because I can tell you, and most patients tell me this, kidney stone is one of the most painful experiences that you can ever go through. Now, again, the good news is we are very experienced in treating kidney stones, but obviously prevention is the key. And so I think now, you know, trying to limit the fatty, greasy foods, trying to avoid high sugar content, high salt content foods, avoid large amounts of processed foods. And I know that's very difficult in our society nowadays, you know, when there's so much temptation out there. But it's, it's, we're seeing it more commonly. And the concerning thing is we're seeing it in younger and younger kids, uh, especially, you know, now from ages 10 to 20, where even 20, 30 years ago, it was very rare to see kidney stones that young. And part of that is, is through, through the, the dietary changes that we experience in society. But I think trying to avoid, you know, a lot of the process and trying to eat fresh food, especially fresh fruits and vegetables, is going to put you a step ahead of the game. So for someone who is a teenager or 10 years old and they aren't familiar with kidney stones, what symptoms should parents look out for? Well, obviously, blood in the urine is one of the main ones. Usually the pain associated with kidney stones is so severe that they're usually ending up in an urgent care or a doctor's office or the hospital. So usually when we're talking about pain, it's pretty obvious. But I think one of the things is is definitely blood in the urine or passing crystals in the urine. If they start seeing any crystal formation in the urine, those are things to look out for. What sort of health issues could happen if people ignore their, their symptoms? Well, it could lead to several things. Of course, one of the biggest things especially with blood in the urine, is if you do experience a kidney stone, typically they start in the kidney and they work down this long, narrow tube called the ureter, and then they pass into the bladder where you're able to pee them out. But oftentimes they get stuck in the ureter tube and can actually cause excruciating pain as well as infection. And that that typically ends up in hospitalization, requiring antibiotics and potentially surgery. So that's why it's always better to try to treat the stones before they get to that acute phase. Other things that we always worry about in blood in the urine, especially in smokers, is a mass in the bladder or a papillary growth in the bladder. And typically, depending on how quickly that's diagnosed, most of the time when it's diagnosed quickly, can be easily, easily treated with minimal long-term side effects. But, you know, if you go months and months with ignoring it, obviously that could lead to much bigger problems, especially if there is a true tumor or mass of the bladder. Uh, another thing that we want to avoid that can also develop with, by ignoring blood in the urine is a mass of the kidney. And so, depending, again, usually very small masses can be easily, easily treated with very, very uh, almost 95% cure rates versus larger masses that much have higher risk of spreading to other parts of the body. And so that's why it's always important to seek immediate care when you see blood in the urine. And then focusing more on the prostate side in terms of the urinary symptoms, you know, you really don't want to ignore weakening urinary stream or changes in your urination. 
Because oftentimes, if you go for long periods of time with ignoring that, it could result in not being able to urinate at all. That could ultimately lead you to requiring a catheter placement, a, a tube that goes into your penis to drain out your bladder. Once you get to that point, sometimes it's much harder to treat. And long periods of time when your bladder is not emptying well, it can actually start to affect your bladder function. And so I think of the bladder like a pump and your prostate channel as like the pipe coming from the pump. When the pipe from the pump is is narrowed for long, long periods of time, it puts a lot of pressure on that pump. And just like a, a pump, has, it, it, it overworks. And over long periods of time of overworking, it can actually give up, give out on you. And so similarly, when the bladder is overworked because of obstruction, uh, mainly by the prostate, that motor can stop working. And actually, the muscle of the bladder can stop working. And then when you get to that point, you're dependent on artificial means to drain your bladder. And so that, that's something you obviously would definitely want to avoid. And so early changes in the urination, it's better to seek care early because they're much easier to treat earlier. And then from the sexual side, again, when you start noticing changes in sexual function that's really affecting your quality of life, it's better to seek care early. Because when you get to the point where you're basically going long periods of time and you want to be sexually active, but you're going long periods of time without any sexual activity the penile tissue, the erectile tissue in the penis can actually start scar formation. The medical term for that is fibrosis. And so prolonged periods of sexual inactivity in someone who wants to be sexually active with a partner, you can actually see early signs of fibrosis or scar formation in the erectile tissue of the penis. Uh, And that can even affect penile length and as well as cause abnormal curvature of the penis. And so similarly, when you start seeing abnormal curvature of the penis, that may indicate early scar formation. And so it's much easier to treat when we know about that early versus when it's so severe that let's say the curvature is 90 degrees or or greater and affecting your ability to penetrate for intercourse. And so we don't want to get to the point where your erectile tissue is completely fibrosed or scarred because it's much harder to treat in that situation. And medications at that point don't become as effective. And so you're looking at much more invasive procedures to try to restore your sexual life, whether that be injection therapy directly into the penis or or even having a penile implant placed. And so early changes in sexual function, it's better to address early rather than waiting to where you're having no, no fullness at all or no erection at all because that may indicate early fibrosis. So it's better to do it when you start noticing a change maybe down to 75% or 50% of fullness. It's better to seek a urologist early because he could try to preserve that function aggressively early to preserve sexual health long-term. So I think those are definitely why it's important to really pay attention to those early warning signs and seek care early rather than waiting to those kind of more end-stage kind of issues, because they're they're much harder to treat from a urologist standpoint. Well, thank you, Dr. Sharma, for talking to us about this. No problem, yeah. And teaching our listeners what to look out for. Yeah, and if they have any questions, feel free to reach out to our department or our clinic here at the Health Sciences Center. Well, we hope to have you back. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts 
so you won't miss our next episode. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tier Castillo, Susana Cisneros, and me, Melissa Whitfield.